0: Here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor.
1: And welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution. Uh, the podcast that just rages around the world. And today we have an alumni visiting us who was here about almost three years ago on DE 49, his first show, so he is back. He's got a new record and it's called High Road. So we're celebrating that today and you're gonna hear how um, this gentleman explains that some periods of depression experienced as a teenager led to composing original music, stating that music saved him from being another statistic that seems to be in the air these days with the advent of my Depression Fighter's Manual. So, I want you guys all to step up. We're going to welcome Pangia, recording artist. You better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today in the city of brotherly love on the Dharmic Evolution with singer-songwriter Jordan White. Today on the Dharmic Evolution, welcome Jordan. How's it going? It's going (laughs) great, man. It's good to see you back and hear that you've got more new music, and um, it's it's funny, it's been like uh, almost three years since you and I uh, got together the first time, and... uh, you know, it took a it took almost 200 shows before I started having repeat guests. So, I guess the three year <laughs> mark was the way to do it. And uh, I'm so happy to have a fellow New Jerseyan slash Philadelphian. I guess right because uh, yeah. you kind of you kind of straddle the, the Delaware there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been all over Jersey, yeah. Philly, Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Awesome! It's good. To, it's good to see what you're doing, and um, and congratulations on the new um, EP that you're out with now. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So really, really great. Called High Road, right? Yep. So yep. Um, yep. can you give us a, a couple of you know liner notes on this as to you know what was the reason for writing High Road, and what was the, what were you thinking about during this period of time when you started working on this project?
2: Um. It was, um, it's like a period of musical change, I would say. Like it's a transitional period. It was, it was a tr- transitional period in my life. So um, the fact that uh, I just happened to be in the studio at the time, and you know, so I got a lot of that type of um, feeling in the music and in the sound, and especially in the lyrics itself. Um, it was my life completely changed from like 2015 to 2018. And well, in, in the middle, we were in the studio, um, and that's it was, I just got lucky, sort of.
1: So, <laughs> and, and, when you say your life completely changed, like in, in what way? It sounds like not just musically, but but other things happen, like
2: yeah, um, like relationships that were a long time running, uh, you know, puttered out. Um, I had to move a couple times, uh, stuff like that, like the normal like tr- troubled personality type things that go on <laughs> with people like me. Right. Um, and it just happened and I was in the studio at the time and, uh, we got some stuff down.
1: So, so you took these experiences and it immediately turned into uh kind of a roadmap of your life.
2: Yeah, kind yeah. of for, for the time. Yeah. It was like a little guide map. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I also, <laughs> I also noticed that, um, your sound changed a little bit into, it, it's a little bit more acoustic laden now then the first go around, which we had, which folks, you can check out. That's DE49, the first show that Jordan was on, which has some slamming music, Amy and a bunch of other really good cuts. But you seem like you transi- transitioned into something like totally different on this one. Um, just, you know, taking, uh, I hear the the acoustic a little bit more prevalent in this than. Um, right.
2: Yeah. So what, when we went to the studio, it was, it was recorded in uh, Massapequa, New York, Um uh, the, the guy, Jim Anizito, uh who was the producer, had these amazing acoustic guitars. And I said, it would be criminal not to put these guitars on this record because I don't have guitars this good. I have, you know, $2,000 guitars. These guitars were six times that, you know, in value. And, yeah. and they sounded so amazing. So we, we had to, I thought, I said to the guys, I said, we have to put this in, you know, have to use these. And we did for most of the, most of the tracks, yeah.
1: Well, let's not delay another second. This is called The High Road with Jordan White. High Road, what a song, really, really great. I loved it from the opening tones, uh, really caught my ear when I was listening to this uh, this morning. Um, cool. So, so tell us about, you know, the uh, process of working with this um, producer with, um, um, and, and in the studio in New York City, in uh, um, Long Island it was, right? Massapequa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, so Jim, did he, did you like learn a lot from him? Was it kind of a, you know, go to school thing? Cause you always learn from every producer, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's one, he's got the big prize, you know, he's got the Grammy. Uh, so, uh, you really do have to, you kind of have to really listen to what he says. Cause it's usually it's right. You know, he'll say, do this at the end of the song or don't do this in this part, or, switch this. And you might doubt it at first, but then it comes into that. Yeah, he was right when you listen to the final product. So you just got to learn to go with the experts sometimes.
1: Jim Anusiato. Nice, man. How'd you get introduced to him? How did you guys hook up? Um,
2: that was through uh, mostly through manage, the manager, Kelly, and um, another guy from a band called Autumn to Ashes. His name is Scott Gross. Uh, he's a guitar player, uh, in Pennsylvania and he knew him as well. And they, they, they have been cl- corroborating for quite a while. And, uh, they said, why don't you bring Jordan in and see what we what you guys can do. And so we, I went there for about two weeks and, uh, we, we did the album there.
1: Kelly, Joe Farner, thank you for hooking this up for us. Getting Jordan in here. Yeah, that was, that was great. Um, tell me, so you know, you've got some interesting education behind you too, which, which I really didn't realize. Um, so you've got a master's of science, you got an associate arts, you got a bachelor arts. So you spent some time and the thing that I really caught my eye was psychological science. Yeah. So, um, so tell me how this education has like impacted you as far as being a singer songwriter. Um, and in what ways? Um, the thing I started to learn was the more I learned about
2: the field of psychology, um, the better my songs got in terms of realism, detail and um, lyrical content in, in those terms. So I kept going to school because I music really wasn't happening for me at that time. So I said, OK, I'll get I had my associates. Now I'll get my bachelor's. Still waiting around for music to take off, and then I was like, okay, so I'll get my master's. <laughs> and so no, right. that's not the greatest pitch for college or anything. <laughs> um, but it was—I had a great time. Uh, but what I learned is that that field specifically, for some reason, I don't know why, um, allows me to write, become a better writer. Which you would think it would be English or something like write, reading books. Um, but it seemed to me the more you learn about your own brain and the way it focused or the way process things, um, kind of bled into the, the lyrical material. And I started noticing that back when the first real song I thought was any good was in college and a during class when I was supposed to be paying attention. And it was a psychology class. And um I just kept going.
1: Yeah. Good That's for you. I mean that that took a lot to keep, you know, to hang in there because a lot of people just walk, you know, they yeah. and, and it's kind of um it can be a knee jerk reaction, you know, and like you are throwing the towel too soon and, you know, if you just waited a little bit longer and, you know, thankfully you, you know, you pers- persevered through it, you know, which is, which is awesome, you know, that, that you were able to do that. Um, also, can, I want to just backtrack a little bit. You were born in uh, Cranford, New Jersey, and then you moved to Pennsylvania. Was that, and at the age of 12, now that's a difficult age. Was that transition for you difficult at that time?
2: Um, yeah, I do remember dreading the first day of school and at the new school, like I dreaded it all summer because we moved up, we moved like in May or June after the school year ended like uh, late June. Uh, yeah. And it was, it's a tough age to move around and, uh, you know, walk into a classroom. Nobody knows you, right? You, you, you are your whole day. Where are you going to sit at the lunch table?
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. This,
2: these are these are problems I wish I still had, and so are the ones I have now. You know, uh, <laughs> that's what's so funny about it is looking back now how we. You know, I'm sure you, you may have gone through the same thing when you were twelve. You know.
1: Yeah, but I had I the did. same thing. Three different schools in three different years. So it's yeah. like it's like oh no, I got to go through this again. You know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like- <laughs> the, the lunchroom thing is really is it's almost done like to humiliate some kids. I yeah. think
1: because they that's show almost a like
2: assigned seating or something. I don't yeah.
1: Know. That's a very tough scene you walk in and you feel like you feel like you know everybody is looking at you and And yeah right and not not because you're going to be popular man
2: (laughs) and if you make the wrong choice of where to stand or where to sit
1: yeah i did that once when i was in seventh grade and it was like you know i went from this parochial school to this really tough junior high and i remember walking in the, the the classroom and there was only like one seat and I sat next to the, these two, in the middle, between these two tough guys. And <laughs> and the one guy's going the whole time. He's like, hey, God, I told you there's no vacancy here. And I, I had already sat down like, what was I going to do? Like melt into the ground, you know? And I didn't know one person in the school. So I feel your pain on that. You know, that was crazy. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. A, hey, hey, let me ask you, what is that that squeaking sound that I hear? Is that a dog or... I think it just stopped.
2: Um, probably one of the dogs, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Oh. I was, was going to say, are you going to invite him in or is he going to just stay out in the hall there? he's.
2: I don't think he's... I think they're downstairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: um, so you also, you know, you also had um, mentioned that you had some periods of depression um, as a teenager, which kind of like led you to music. Right. And, um, when did you realize that, you know, that was, you know, y- you knew, you knew something was bothering you, but you probably didn't know it was a label, um, uh, depression, but you just felt like horrible. So like, when did this first like occur to you that you, you were suffering from this?
2: Um, probably about age 15, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and that was for a lot of reasons. Um, like, like we just mentioned, that was after the move, um, and uh things were not so great at home um things were not so great for me at the school I was at uh, I had uh, I was having trouble with a lot of the classes especially the math classes I always did really well in the English classes but the math classes forget um so things just kind of started pile up and I didn't really know how to deal with them I, I had no I had no clue what what it was I just thought I actually thought it was normal I thought I was just normal like that's how everyone was and I think to a certain point, a little bit, but not to the, the level that I was. Yeah. Um, every not everybody's gonna have the best day every day, um, and you know, uh, I didn't have any guidance in that in that field. Like nobody sat me down and said, "Hey, you know what's wrong?" That yeah. Kind of. It was just. It, it was ignored. Like I felt I was ignored most of my life. Yeah, it's hard to explain.
1: No, I I I hear you, man. I went through the same thing, so at, and at the same age. So, as a matter of fact, I just put out a depression fighter's book. It's a down. It's a free download, and it has seven uh, strategies on there. So, for you folks who want to want to pick that up, just it's oh, a free great. it's a free download, and it's like it's just a little toolbox. You can even keep it in your phone. It takes like fifteen minutes to read, but each day of the week, there's a different strategy you can use to combat um, depression because a lot of people. Have been in this, you know, and I didn't really realize because I was in the same camp that you were in to said, you know, you just you you just isn't everybody like this, and it, it, it's not, you know. There's yeah. a lot of people who just feel joy every day, and a lot of it is maybe your circumstances that you grew up in and your experiences with school, with the lunchroom, with the whole combination of things. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you don't have resources, it's like, you know, what yeah. am I supposed to do with this? You know, this is just a crazy thing, you know. So, um, so how are you feeling now? Are you, are you still struggling or, or are you, you feeling better now?
2: Um, I'll tell you the truth. I have my days, but, um, yeah, yeah I'm overall better than I, much better than I was then. Yeah. yeah. Um, just that the fact, the fact that I get to play music and stuff, um, and, you know, do that for a living, that's, that's like a rare thing. So I got to, I could try to keep it in perspective, you know, that some people have to, you know, well, you know, do whatever they got to do for a job if, and they hate it. Yeah, you know, and right. I love it. And so I, I can't, I can't sit here and complain, you know, about my life. I mean, it'd be so ridiculous. Um, but a lot of, a lot of those guys do, you know, they complain about the paparazzi following them around and stuff. But I'll tell you, anybody who gets into this business and is shooting for the, the gold ring, so to speak, you know, they know that's a part of it. They're, yeah. they're full of it. They're full of it if, if they're pretending that they don't, they didn't see it coming or didn't want it or don't want it, you know? Right. So, so that's the way I look at it. Like I, I'm kind of have like this very blessed life right now. Um, so I can't, uh, I can't relate to any, um, any other kind of suffering because of that, because it just, it's, it's so much of what someone, uh, so, much, so much of what makes someone a person is what they do. And, and that includes employment and I get to play music and not yeah. that, not that many people get to do that.
1: Yeah. You know? I think um, two of God's greatest gifts are love and music. So I mean, I like that. If if you you know if you get a chance to have both, (laughs) which (laughs) which I I only have one usually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're doing it right. So let's do another one, Jordan. Let's do like the rain.
0: Get my picture in your frame. You can hang it on the wall. You could just let it fall. Cause it all stays the same. I'm standing in your garden. What have I done to you? You could keep it inside. You could just run and hide. Cause there's nothing new. Cause that girl's like the rain. too, because it all says the same when you act like you do. Another thousand heartbeats to get my picture of your wall. You can keep it inside, you can just run it high Did you pull from your stall? I'm standing in your garden What have I done to you? You could keep me inside, or you just run it high Did you pull from your stall? Cause that girl's like the rain With a bit of thunder too Cause it all says the same they're nothing new I could say that I'm sorry I could say not to worry but they just won't do cuz that girls like the rain with a bit of lightning too cuz it all stays the same
1: Rain and you got you were playing uh blues harp on that were you was that you playing? yeah
2: it was me um and it was actually the first time i ever played harmonica in the studio and i'd only gotten the harmonica about a week before um so i it, it's a little it's not i play it a lot better now than it sounds there but um it's uh at the time nobody knew how to play it but me so I did what
1: i could so you felt it and you knew that was the thing you know and that's yeah. another dimension you get you can add now or you have added you know and uh have you done that on your live set with the with the brace oh, yeah. yeah yeah that's you know,
2: that's I, awesome. I have the the brace yeah Um and you know it goes behind your neck and everything
1: yeah i did that so many years ago and i knew all the dylan tunes and you know all the you know neil young or whatever but um great great um ancillary piece, especially if you're playing out solo, you know, it just adds another piece to the, to to the pie, you know, for people to embrace. A lot of
2: times they'll say, how do you do
1: that? They're like, I'm like, what? They're like, how do you play
2: the guitar, do the harmonic and sing a song at the same time and have your foot going? Yeah. Like I have no clue. I'm like, it's the, the you know, yeah. Rub your belly, pat your head thing.
1: It's like John Lennon said, I'm a musician. I can do anything. Give me something and I'll play it. (laughs) so uh like the rain um tell us about the song itself like um what is that all about like what why did you you know what does that mean to you like writing that song what was that all
2: about um like the rain was um it came from a uh, somebody said something in passing um and it was they didn't realize how profound it was and i so i stole it and i (laughs) used it for a song they said uh something like, oh, oh, don't bother with her, she's like a thunderstorm or something.
3: And, nice.
2: uh, and I was like, you know what? I think I might they might you might you might have something there. And they're like, Yeah, get out of here. And, and so um I kind of wrote it about this person that had um it's a it, when you say it's someone's like the rain, it's 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 is what happens with the rain. It comes and it goes, you know. So it's something that someone who's always up or really down. Um maybe bipolar, I don't know, maybe not. Uh, I have no idea if she was or not. Um, very, very nice person. Uh, very, very lovely, lovely girl. Um, but things didn't work out. And, uh, I used that, that, that little sentence I overheard and i you know, basically built a song on top of it. Um, it's very, um, sorted in in a few places, but it's, it's really about a person, you know, that, that just is either really high or really low all the time.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and and they're like the rain there's nothing you can do it comes it comes down and um you see it coming and it leaves its if it's a bad one it leaves trees down you
1: know right
2: and it's you think of it you know metaphorically like that. that's kind of what i was going for
1: with that one that was excellent um and i like the move of stealing the conversation i do that too and i learned this at a at a music conference about 10 or 15 years ago and one of the I forget who it was up there but he he'd written like you know every hit song known to man for his his period and he said he, lo- he loves to eavesdrop mm-hmm. and uh you know and it's so funny when you start doing that it's like I keep my little black books with me everywhere you know and I'll go in and I'll have a sandwich you know at night or something I'll be sitting around and you hear people say the most profound things the most outrageous and they have no idea that they, it just in a flood of, of t- storytelling, you know, what just came out
3: yeah. that one that little piece.
1: And it's like, that was, that was awesome. You know when I'm scratching it down all the time happens on the show a lot too. And I always throw it really? back to the guest and say, that's your next song title. What you just said there, you know, and, <laughs> and it, it's kind of cool, but um, that's great. Because again, you know, music seems to be our greatest therapist for everything going on with us, you know, and, and you and I seem to have a lot of similarities and it's just like when you finish a new song, it's, it's that feeling of elation and you're, you're just so happy about, Oh yeah! wow, yeah. this is great, man. It's like winning the lottery, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could go out to dinner and you feel fine, you know, and stuff like that. It's a, it's a liberating thing because you finally figured out this piece of you and you got it into sound, yeah. which is, when you think about it, it's a really weird thing. I mean, it's just the thought of like opening your, mouth and making a sound come out it's, just, it's it, when you really start to minimize things they start to sound really strange yeah um but it, it's just a complex whole big thing you know uh all of it but and then,
1: it, and then it combined works, works. with the poetry of it too is beautiful you know it's like yeah, when you, you right. married the two together it's pretty amazing um hey tell me about the gigging how's how are things going with you and like where are you playing these days are you are you playing regionally are you touring around are you just writing now like like, what have you been doing um, with your time i'm
2: uh, i'm definitely writing i was <clears throat> excuse me i've been writing a lot since um the last few weeks um some other things have inspired me recently um and a lot of gigging too of course usually two to three to four a week yeah. usually great uh, like this, for example, this weekend, I have three or four. I, can't, I don't even know. Yeah. I have to look. Right. But uh, yeah, this is the kind of this is kind of the busy time of year for out for a lot of outdoor shows. And yeah, stuff like
1: festivals. That. You doing any of those this year? Yeah, like yeah.
2: uh festivals, concerts, stuff like that. Yeah. Right.
1: Great. Where do you, where do you find that uh, is the best place for you? Is it more Philly or is it more Jersey? Like when you're staying regionally local.
2: Um. That's a good question. It, it, it both have their ups and downs. Um, I guess I would say around here more, uh, at least if you're going to talk about like head count, like that comes out. Yeah. But sometimes out there, I do have a lot of family out there, big like Italian family. Um, right. Oh, so <laughs> though. Sometimes they'll come out too. So, so it really you go, go
1: for the food, right? Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> <I> Got to. <laughs> um, so tell me about, uh, you know, with, with you, with your your gigging, how do you do? You do like a schedule at the beginning of each year and like block it all out, like way way in advance, or do you just kind of run with it as the gigs come up? Like, how does your your schedule work? Are you real strategic about it, or do you just kind of roll with things?
2: Um, it's more on the roll with it side. Um, I mean, if someone occasionally a place will want to book you for an entire year the year before, right, and then I just have those dates blocked off, and then as time goes on the, the other ones become filled and the place you played earlier wants well, another, another date in two months, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And it gen- generally just starts to come together to make a, you know, to, to make a full schedule, which is usually about three shows a week every yeah. week except right. for Christmas
1: depending on yeah. what day
2: Christmas falls. Into. How do
1: you, how do you handle the the late nights? Are you good with that? Are you, are you a night owl or are you, uh, yeah. you are yeah, okay. like,
2: yeah, like this is actually early for me. This was murder
1: um, for you to get up. Like yeah, to a,
2: a little bit. I mean, um 11, 11
1: o'clock is early for, uh, for musicians. It's, it's, <laughs> you
2: know what? It's weird. It's because um, we did so much. Even in the studio, we did so much at night, like at, like one in the morning, two in the morning. And yeah. it's we don't know why. Like we yeah. go to dinner. We would have a session, go to dinner, and then go back to the studio and say, okay, let's do a few things and go home. It ended up being like four more hours, you know. Yeah. So you know, suddenly it's one thirty, and you're supposed to be back at ten the next day, yeah. and everybody's like, oh, "All right, let's make it twelve. Let's make it twelve, Next tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's I'm definitely I'm definitely a night nice person, not by choice, just by habit. Just kind of happened.
1: Yeah. You know, um, it's so funny because um, I, you just don't know about like time is such an elusive element of of creativity. Because the first time I ever experienced that, I was. I was pretty young and I was in LA and I was at Bijou Studios in Hollywood with a producer and a whole team. And we did like, we were doing, we did the first session I think we did was 24 hours straight. And it was like, for me, I was like, I was just like, it didn't feel like that. It was just like, I was rolling with it. And then the next day you, you felt it, you know, and we did a reduced session. No, sure. and then, then we came in one more time to wrap it up. It was a, it was a four song EP, you know, in and out, but, but that was that was kind of amazing, you know, to be like, <laughs> because uh I was so pumped. I just had energy the whole time, you know, I didn't really fall apart. They were falling asleep at the end. I was I was still kind of going strong, but um but it just feels like time is just like it has no significance. You know, it's like right. you're creating and you're just locked down in that world of creativity. I just love it. Um, let's do this. This other one that's called "Common Round Again." Here we go with Jordan.
0: Slow down this tune. I'm about to overflow. The melody dissipates. But the music, it's all I know. There's a look of stars at night when you know the things shine bright. And they make you come alive. And this is what we call your life. So if you come around, oh yeah. I won't break, but I'm my man. You feel the darkness closing in. If it's just like a second scan There's a look upon your face You know we just can't replace But I think we let it go to waste and now I feel this empty space So if you come around round again I won't break but I'm my bed You feel the darkness closing in It fits me like a second skin Easy come and easy go But it gets cold here in the snow And ring, ring, there's no one home we both know you're not alone. Are you, are you alone? Driving on right by, and there's no one home. Yeah, there's no one home. So if you're coming, I'm not. Feel the darkness closing in. It fits me like a second skin. Easy come and easy go, but it gets cold here in the snow. And ring, ring, there's no one home, but we both know. Yeah, we know.
1: Coming round again. Really, really good song. Another good one by Jordan. Man, you write um you write really good songs. I mean, the first time Thank I you. heard you, I immediately liked what you were doing and, and your approach to music. And I hear like um I, I hear a little bit of um like Beatlesque. I hear a little bit of everything good, like almost almost like you've adopted all of the really great classic <laughs> rock. Um, music and put it into your own thing, you know, like I think your style is unique and your voice is unique, um, but you seem to have a a quality of um, writing songs that express themselves in a way that's, you know, it's just a really listener-friendly environment. Um, Tell us about your, you know, your experiences growing up, like who you were listening to most of the time. Was it very eclectic for you or or like what? Um,
2: I... Yeah, kind of like I have my dad to thank for a lot of it because he sat me down and introduced me to like Van Morrison and uh, the Clash and you know things like that. Um, Things that I probably otherwise would not have come across because you know being in eighth grade, uh, we were listening to Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, which which I still love too. But I may have been I may have been limited to those things if it wasn't Um, right. Like Al Green, he yeah, he was really into and stuff like that. Um, the Allman Brothers Band, things like that. Um, guys, uh, a lot of these '70s singers, 1970s singer songwriter types. And I don't know if I would have really been really would have picked those up if it wasn't for him, you know, saying, "Listen to this, listen to this." Yeah. You know, he'd hear, he'd hear me playing my Guns and Roses. He's like, "Yeah, I'll come down and listen to this instead." I'm like, "Okay, I'll try it," and I started to like it after a while.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, oh, so he brought you into the Guns N' Roses world. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Your father has good taste. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were a slamming band. There's no doubt about oh, it, yeah. the quality what those guys were doing. You know, it was very, very cool. And and I love that when, when uh, I have somebody on and their parents were just, you know, were just influential about, you know, bringing their world of music. You know, I did the same thing with my son. Like, he had all my you know, my early English rock albums, you know, I just said, here, you just, just start listening to them," And he, he, just fell in love with all that stuff. So the cool <laughs> thing was when he was, uh, I think he was like in ninth grade or something. I took him and three buddies to a Yes concert and they flipped out. They couldn't really? believe like wow. that the, how these guys could play, you know, it was just unbelievable. Um, <laughs> so what, do, what do you like to listen to now, um, when you're chilling out and you're just like saying, you know, I want to take some time for myself and, uh, I'm not really in writing or anything like that, but just for musical enjoyment, um, where do you find yourself in which camp, which wheelhouse are you in these days?
2: Um, I like, I recently got into, this is going to sound ridiculous considering we're both from New Jersey. I recently got into Springsteen uh-huh. now and it's, I know I'm way, way late on the train, but I'm talking, there were songs that I didn't know the ones well, let me put it this way: the ones, the songs of his, they put out on the radio weren't necessarily reflective of his other deeper tracks, yeah. which is usually the case. And I found a lot of really good songs that that I never heard of from him um, on YouTube and stuff. And uh, I, so that I've, I've been on that kick lately, you know, just listening to those. Um, so that's the newest thing for me, and that's really sad that I say Springsteen is the newest thing for me
1: well no 20. not really because you know when when you're when you're such an enormous um he, he's you know he's an enormous pop star or rock star however you put it but yeah. but his early works his first two or three albums were not reflect. i would say his first like born to run was the, was the big you know when that came out that was kind of like made his mark and everything but the first two records were phenomenally good i mean right. they, they were just amazing and um and, you know, I played those things to death when I, when I first discovered him. But, um, but, I, but I, I know what you're saying. There's, there's artists out there that early in their career, um, you can kind of tell that they were not really interested in the big stardom. And I, I don't think the real artist really ever has any idea that that's going to happen to them. I think they're, they're most happy in their creative world. And of course, everybody wants to make a living. I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're discounting. Hey, don't give me money. Yeah, we all need to eat and pay our bills. But, but I, I but I think purely artistically, you go for it for for the art's sake, you know. And then when you have enormous, you know, monetary success, that's kind of like an extra gift along the way. Mm-hmm. And I, but but I think your your crowd, you know, the I think the crowds and the fans end up helping to formulate where you go with your music and it happens kind of without you even like having an enormous control over it. You know what I mean? Because, because all those bigger places you're playing and you're, you're feeling different influences and, and all these things are coming into your bloodstream and saying, well, I'm thinking about this, this and this now. So I'm writing, I'm writing for a bigger mass, you know. Just by way of, it just has to happen that way. But that's pretty cool that you you went back and and started listening to his early stuff. Like, what else? What else do you listen to? What else is going on with you?
2: Uh, I like the new the new Counting Crows album. Uh, I've always liked those guys, though. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: uh,
2: musical. Um, and I, I like the new Third Eye Blind album. That's pretty good.
1: I can't um, tell. The poster th- behind you. So. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's
2: right. I, I got post. There's like so many music out front of album cover posters in this room it's ridiculous yeah looking looking at 10 different ones uh past me but um yeah uh the 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 song that got me uh from Springsteen uh was that song um dancing in the dark now i first um you know with the synthesizer yeah um, i thought that was like an upbeat song and i really went into the i really looked into the lyrics and it's a really dark song yeah, and that's what I think is so cool about that that the way he did that was he hid it. He hid them hid the lyrics underneath that bright synthesizer. And right. that's what got me into him listening to other I was like, all right, if he's that good at this, let me listen to this other stuff. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's he's quite the prolific writer. Um there's a guy in um who was on this show, uh, I gotta, I'll circle back to this, but he came on, uh, his, ma- his name is Matt O'Ree. Have you heard of Matt? He's from, um, he's from the shore area.
2: Um, and- I, is it O
1: O R E E? I
2: Um, I might have, I'm not sure. It sounds slightly familiar, but I wouldn't say I do for sure.
1: Well, it's just, I'll just give you the, the quick story on it. He he was on the show, and he actually he he won like the guitar, um, you know, Guitar Center had this this competition, and they put it out there, and there was over four thousand guys that went to, you know, to to be a part of this thing, and he won it. And while he's out in Chicago, you know, winning the money and the and the prize and the cash and everything, he gets a call from. Uh, Patty uh, Scalfa Springsteen saying really? saying hey we'd like you to teach our son guitar because he's a, he teaches guitar <laughs> and so so uh, you know we're saying this is this is crazy I I won the guitar thing and now Bruce's you know wife is calling me to say hey we you know we want you to teach our son uh how to how to do this uh, how to play guitar <laughs> and it's a whole cool story but what the, the long and short of it was that after he he became um, connected to Bruce's son and teaching him guitar, uh, he asked him for some music. So he, he shared a song with him. Long story short, Bruce ended up going into the studio with Matt on Matt's song, and playing Matt. guitar and singing and singing, wow. like they they split the verses. And it's a killer song. I'm going to find it here and I'll I'll circle back to it. But but it's a tremendous story how you know he tells That's it in. A- and, and, and that's I'll put, crazy. I'll put the link in since, since this relates to what we're talking about, I'll put it in your show with all your links. Um, and I'll just reference, you know, the, okay, br- the cool. Bruce story. That, um, is a,
2: that is a, uh, it almost seems like it could be a movie.
1: I mean, it was, it was yeah, incredible. And and by the way, Matt is, um, has toured, uh, with Bon Jovi. Like oh, he's, okay. yeah. Be, I mean, he's that good. He's just incredible. Yeah. You know, I mean, filling Richie's shoes is, you know, that's, that's a big task. Um, but yeah, he's, right. he's done that. So, um, I think he's toured with him a couple times actually. So, so he's starting to get some traction on his career now too, which I'm very happy about, but That's he was great. on a few, few years ago, um, a few months great. ago actually. But, but anyway, um, let's go to another one here and this is called September. You want to set this up for us, Jordan? And uh, let sure. us know what um, September is all about.
2: This song I actually wrote when I was 19, which was a long time ago. Um, and we decided I kind of rediscovered it then while we were in the studio because we needed another track. I had another song called uh, days with diamonds that I, we couldn't just, we just couldn't get it together. You know, we were, we were screwing around with the song in dumb, in dumb ways and, and fooling around with it coming too experimental, I think. So I said, uh, okay, let's just, we decided we're going to stop on this, this one. And just, I said, let me just play you this song. And if you like this one we'll do this one instead. So I went through it and they're like, yeah, yeah, I could do this. I could do that. I, I think we'd be the work with that one. It was a lot easier. It came right away because all the lyrics were written whereas opposed to a lot of these other songs. Some of the lyrics weren't written until day of the studio. Like I had to really come up with stuff. So the lyrics were already written many years ago. Um, and so was the music. So it was just a matter of playing it and getting the, the other guys to get their parts right. Um, and it's really about, um, about things the inevitabil- inevitability of things changing or ending as september is you know the transitional month between winter and uh, excuse me summer and fall um it's just kind of september kind of symbolizes for me that you know the summer time of our lives won't last every time to- you know all the time and right. there's only so many of them anyway so yeah yeah you know, that's right. kind of
1: what that's about. let's fire it up here we go september
0: Sitting in the stale air Watching time forward with the sky
1: Good, good song, man. I, that was really, really good. September, I like that one a lot, and uh, you know, I just like the fact that you, um, you know, you have such a handle on on how to do these. You know, it's just really, really awesome. Really awesome. Thanks, man. So, um, so what what's your favorite method for for writing, Jordan? Like, what do you you know, do you have like a system, do you have a scheduled time or do you just he- feel inspiration and say, boom, I'm going for this because I-, I feel like, you know, I feel like writing. I feel like, feel, feel like something, something popped into my head and I, and I have a, an epiphany about something.
2: Yeah. Um, the times when I become most inspired is anytime I'm somewhere else that I've never, that I've never been. And I'm actually there for a longer period of time, than, like than an hour. So especially like vacations, um, going down the shore, stuff like that. A lot of the things, a lot of the things in the songs that are mentioned, uh, the guy sings about um, the the ocean and stuff. Um, That's a that's a huge thing. And I I didn't really never really figured that out. Why? And then someone told me just because you're in a new place and you're thinking differently, I guess. Um, And as far as a schedule, not really. Although I do sometimes plan to, you know, practice on something at a certain time you know, later that day, do I do it always? Not, not always, but, uh, usually, um, and as far as in general, if I'm not on a vacation or whatever, or somewhere, um, it usually just starts with a lyric, um, like a, a good one, a lyric that means something that isn't just, you know, saying I miss you or something, you know? Right. Cause that's, so, that's so easy to say now. And it's been said so many times. Um, you got to find a new way to say, I miss you, you know, or right. I, I, I care about you or, or this is messed up or that's messed up. So it's about the filters and it's kind of like a coffee, coffee thing, you know, put it together and it, whatever filters down is the good stuff, at least for me. Um, I know a lot of other people write the music first and then a, and then kind of come along to it. Um, so it really, really depends on the, everyone's individual, individual, uh, uh approach. Do you, you ever, I'm sorry.
1: No, do you, do you ever get to where you just, you just have this great idea for a title and you roll with it that yeah. way?
2: Yeah, I do. I uh, I actually have a lot of those. I have probably ten or twelve things just that are just good titles, and I just can't find anything to write about. Um, write about them after that. So it's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, I don't know how to get to that point, but I I probably will somehow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um. How about like. Um, time of day, are you like a morning guy? You're not a morning guy, but but is, is there a special time of day, afternoon, evening, weekend, Sundays Um, that you find you're in a best spot for writing? Like it, it just feels like the right time? Yeah, I would say the afternoons
2: on weekends for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. And uh, weeknights, I would say after 11 p.m. I would say, um, and I don't know why. Something there's something about like a Saturday afternoon that has a different feeling to it right. than the other days. The other, the other the days all kind of have their own personalities, and Saturday afternoon, for me at least, has has this um, this creative creative vibe to it, uh, where it's completely shut down on Sunday. I think it, I think it's like almost like a collective thing. Like um, most people, Saturday is a positive positive day because they're usually having fun or doing or they're off yeah. things like sun like sunday night uh is is dreadful for me even though i don't have anything the next is day it
1: really that's built in from school
2: yeah it, it is. is it's sunday i just can't something about sunday night about how, the way the world just seems to shut down yeah everything closes early some things aren't aren't even open at all yeah um it's it just it's depressing to me that, that and that you don't like,
1: gig on sunday nights in, in most cr- cases
2: very rarely I mean yeah. some I, sometimes a Sunday afternoon yeah. but a Sunday night almost almost never because there's no one out so let me almost. ask
1: you this if you gig on a Sunday afternoon do you have a better Sunday night experience you think
2: yes yeah, yeah okay
1: absolutely. so that's that's carried over from school because I was the same way It's like oh my God I'm dreading I gotta go to that school tomorrow and go through this this mm-hmm. horror hell again
2: <laughs> it was it was the the the, the, the uh, price for Friday night was Sunday night that's what it was. It's yeah. like you got Friday night was the best. And, you know, because you had two old days, to then suddenly it's Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. And uh, yeah, we, you're right. It's built into us,
1: I yeah. think. Yeah, it's pounded into us. Because I have a whole thing about, um, you know, clocks. And it's like the, the, the people who designed schools were insane. Because you used to sit there. I was in Catholic school. And you'd be facing this huge clock up on the front of the room. And I'd be like tick, tick. <laughs> and You're like, I gotta be in here for another how many hours? And at least, you, is, is, at least you
2: could look look at it without having them see you look at it. Because when in my school I, there wasn't the side. Oh, on the side, right?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, they, I, I think in some cases it probably was, or in the back. But but it was like it was torturous. You have to put that in a, you know, in a school for, but you don't want to know the time because hopefully you'll escape that pain, you know? (laughs)
2: Yeah. And you play the time game. You say, okay, I'm not going to look at the clock for, until after I finish this paper. And you look at it and it's like four minutes have gone by, you know? Yeah. And, like, you're like, I'm not going to make it.
1: Another That's hour, so I'm not
2: going to make it. Now, you yeah. literally thought times I wasn't going to make it. And
1: the and detentions was- were like that, too, because they, they wouldn't let you do it. You weren't really allowed to do much at all. I don't even think they let me do homework in detention. So that was... Oh, like- yeah. That's funny. <laughs> they have you there and they
2: still they won't let you do it. That
1: was too painful. Hey, um, let me ask you, what, what places do you like to play the best um, as far as... You know, big theaters, uh, small intimate groups. Is there a favorite spot that you like to perform at that you feel like you're providing the best value and, and you're getting the most people like to really, really tune in to the zone of your music?
2: Yeah. Um, any show where it's ticketed, because people that pay to, to come see you or me and other people who are playing, yeah. they actually listen. Right. And, 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 you know, if you're playing in a bar or a ski resort or a winery, maybe... Some people are
1: surely listening, but not everyone is.
2: But when you play a place like the Puck in Doylestown,
1: yeah, I'm not sure
2: you know that place. Probably. No, no, I've heard
1: of it, but I don't know it.
2: Okay, it's a it's a ticketed, uh, seated type uh, venue with a big stage and a real sound system, right? Um, and I played there a bunch of times with uh, David Ivory, who is a uh, uh, producer up here in uh, up up near Philly, and um, do showcases, and people pay they line up out the door and they come in, they sit there and actually listen to you. And nobody talks, in between. you know, during the song and not that you can't do that, but you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you have their attention and, and it's a lot different, a much different dynamic than playing in a, a bar where most of them don't know you or half of them don't know you or half of them don't care. Or, you know. They're they're there for the beer, not for the music, you
1: know. Well, I've been talking a lot about this that on this show that very experience of um and and, and I don't have the, the the answer, but you just gave me part of it, and it's like, you know, I'm uh, I'm relocating to Nashville, like I'm back and forth a lot, but I'm but I'm actually setting up living quarters that now there in the next couple of weeks. But you go downtown and you see. Like, it's, it's you're playing in these bars, which I don't, for my music, that doesn't work for some people. You just have to have a Marshall stack and a Les Paul and crank the hell out of it to get, and even then, people are watching the game. They're surrounded by TVs. They're texting. They're on their phone. They're yelling and screaming to their friends and doing shots. So music is almost like the very, very back of the train. It's the caboose, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like it used to be, you came to really enjoy the music, so. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying it you know rhetorically to raise awareness about it because I feel as musicians who is, who have seen their currency of their music be um you know just almost destroyed we have to figure out a way to like where's the right place to play you know especially yeah. if you put a lot of emphasis on look we're not a we're not a jam band because there's a lot of emphasis on lyrics and poetry and, and there's a message in the music. So, you know, that's a different thing. If you're doing a jam band, you can kind of get away with that, you know, but I don't know, it's just something I, I raised, but I'm glad to hear about a place like that, that, um, that that there are places like that because you're right, because if people are going to pay for something, they honor, yeah. they honor it much more usually. Right, you know? exactly. They yeah. put,
2: place so much more value on what's going on at the time. when, as for when they walk into a bar for free and, um, drink, uh, you know, half them don't pay attention.
1: Yeah. But
2: I'm used to that, you know, it's no big deal.
1: Right. So looking out the rest of the year, as, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, Jordan, what can you, um, share with people that you have on your mind that you'd like to express some ideas to them? And also, um, we'll put all your links in the show notes, but if you could just give, like the one address that you would like people to go to to help support you, your music and uh, purchase your music. Um, if you could do that also.
2: Sure. Um, if you go to, um, well, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, um, any of those type of, uh, music retailers, just search my name and you get the albums, uh, high road or the old, older one, uh, maybe Amy. Um, okay. Any of those. Uh, that's probably the best spot or just my website is just jordanwhitemusic.com
3: great great and,
2: well, uh, and I'm on you know instagram and so you know all that stuff Facebook so actually want to like, find me there too
1: we'll put all those links in the show notes and uh, by the way that that um reference for uh matt oree was de 125 and he featured the song black boots uh, yeah. which was with Bruce it's it's a killer song you you'll probably really enjoy it and but I'll put it in I'll put it in the link so people can tune in who are, who are Bruce fans and who are who may be Matt f- uh, fans because we're the three of us were from New Jersey, or the four of us if we include Bruce in that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so just in in saying goodbye, anything you would like to um, impart to uh, listeners and fans of Jordan White? Um, any any words of wisdom or any parting thoughts or, or uh, anything you'd like to express to the people uh, tuning into this show around the world?
2: I would say, don't give up. That's my that's that's really. Uh, the best thing that I think most people can hear is because there are people out there list, that'll be listening to this that are on, on that cusp of giving up or not um, and, you know, settling, but you don't have to do that is what I would like to know is, is that if you really work hard enough, you want it bad enough and you, you go out there and go, go get it. You can do it. Cause I'm, you know, I started with, I didn't, I didn't have anyone in the music industry. I didn't know anybody. No, not a, not a soul. Um, you know, some people have like you know their uncles, a record producer or something. I didn't have anything like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. but if I can do what they can, is what I'm saying. What for whatever, whatever you know, if they want to be a doctor, or an astronaut, or and you know, just uh, have a good job.
1: And by the way, you know, I, I w- really appreciate that. Um, and I, I also want to mention uh, a, a thank you on behalf of all that you do for others. Um, doing um, fundraisers, and you're doing a, a show on July twentieth, uh, a benefit, right, for the um, yep. Hub US Corp at Harrisburg Mall to benefit the Shriners Hospital for Children, and um, and you're you're opening for uh, Amy McAllister and and Howie Dameron. Is that how you pronounce Howie's? Is it I believe Dameron? so. Yes. Okay and uh and that that's that I know that's not the first um thing you've done as far as fundraising and helping others um in you know just going out there and putting your music out there to support and help other causes so on behalf of all that you have done you know thank you very much for that and by the way if the the folks who don't know this Jordan is also signed to Pangaea Records and kelly joe farner thanks once again for uh you know for managing jordan and getting him to the dharmic evolution so um thank jordan thank you so much for being a part of the dharmic evolution really appreciate it it's always a pleasure to have you on listen to your music and uh your stories are are really fabulous and just want to wish all god's blessings on you and your journey
2: same for you thank you thanks for having me dude
1: High Road, Like the Rain, September, and Coming Round Again. These are the songs and stories of Jordan White. Support his new EP that's out there called High Road. It's on all the major retails and just check out Jordan White music and uh, you'll find out all about this young man who's always playing out everywhere, especially in the Philadelphia area and uh, New Jersey area. So uh, I had a great time visiting once again and check out his first show, DE49. And uh, as he mentioned, um, any Bruce fans out there, check out uh, Matt uh, O'Ree's broadcast that I did with him. It's DE125 if you want a really cool story about uh, actually being a songwriter and bringing Bruce into the studio to sing and perform and play on your song. This actually happened to Matt. Uh, Really incredibly fun uh, interview on that one as well. So uh, if you guys haven't yet, go over to the um, Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page and post your content, whether you got a song or a new video or a photo shoot or a gig, anything at all that is about your music or if you're an author, speaker, a thought leader, put your content up there, a new book. Uh, Maybe you're um, doing a speaking engagement somewhere. Please post your talents, um, your creativity, your artistry on that site so people around the world can continue to support you and learn about you. Also, we did a faceless lift on the Dharmic Evolution website. Go over there. All the different players are on there. We're on Spotify and Overcast and iTunes and all of the goodies. And uh, if you would leave us a review about this show and you're digging it, that would really help. And the good reviews, I am going to post the good ones on our website as well. And thank you, everybody that has done that so far. Hey, that's it for me today. It's a wrap. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, or I'll see you from the stage.